Big gave him a bump, feet out in front, the big save by Leonard. Closing to his right, puck goes around behind the goal. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Polisar again down low, right side he shoots, knocked down, Theodore fires, and he scores! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for insider access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. From Section 104 T-Mobile Arena, we are ready to rock and roll through hour number two of the BGK Insider Show, getting ready for this uh, collision number two between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, back at the Finley Chevrolet Studios is Chris Chapman, and uh, we are excited about this because to get a second look at the, the Kraken, it, is it a normal game tonight, or are we still a ways away from any game against the Kraken being somewhat routine? Yeah, I don't think it's routine. Um, I don't think it'll be routine until probably a year or two from now. It's 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 weird because you you look at the team, you try to watch their games, you try to 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 figure out kind of like what the Kraken are right now and uh, for me I, I just can't help but go back to that game against Arizona and from such a hot start to to ending that game on the wrong side of things like that's a those are the types of games that the Kraken need to win and you know I think there's going to be a uh, a lot of motivation on the Kraken side to come back. They get a second chance at the Golden Knights. Uh, that first game of the year, they erase a three-goal deficit in the game, and you know, all the momentum's on their side. I, I think that this one's going to be an interesting one in that I, I think the Kraken are going to be motivated to, to beat the Golden Knights and avenge that loss. I believe Vegas is the first team to face the Kraken twice. The Kraken are also the first team that Vegas is going to face twice. Oh. Well, so it's perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, What are your impressions of the Kraken? Good team, a team that uh, is your prototypical expansion team, or a team that's kind of overperformed and will be uh, just struggling to to get some points? Yeah, it's weird because I feel like the Kraken should be better than what their record would indicate. However, um, I I feel like they're kind of caught somewhere between – a normal expansion team and a good team. Like there are, are moments where I look at the Kraken and I watch their rate of play and I, I see them do some really good things. And then there's just some some breakdowns and disasters in their own zone. And when you look at the, the first game that the Golden Knights played against Seattle, in the offensive zone, Seattle was really good. In their own zone, they were an absolute disaster. So um, until they get kind of that structure in place defensively to to be able to close out games and once they get goaltending where it needs to be like philip grubauer has not been good enough this season for seattle when you look at his numbers and you look at the 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 losses piling up it's just not the level that i think the kraken were expecting grubauer to be at and until that kind of rounds out to form they're going to struggle to find wins four seven and one to start the season and the franchise through 12 games that's only better than chicago and arizona yeah but keep in mind the nine points that the kraken have is equal to the colorado avalanche and is three points behind the golden knights who have been ravaged by injuries i think the seattle kraken can be a good hockey team like i I think that they can string together some wins but they're it's gonna have to start in goal and defense right like it's going to have to start with this team 
getting leads and holding them, and they're going to have to get better goaltending than what they've got early on in the season. Different than Vegas, right, in the sense of the, the energy. And we, we wondered who was going to score yeah. for the Golden Knights in year number one. That was answered pretty quickly. Oh, we're still asking that question about the Kraken. Everly had a hat trick the other night. That, that was great. But I, that's still going to be an ongoing question, I think, until halfway through this year. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, they've got a couple of guys with six goals. You mentioned Everly. That's obviously buoyed by the hat trick. And I guess Brandon Tanev's been their most consistent. Turbo offensive player. John Forslund calls him Turbo Tanov. I'll, I'll take Turbo Tanov. That's yeah, pretty good. good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, they're, they're to me, they're just a team that hasn't kind of gelled enough yet, right? Like, for the Golden Knights, when you go back to that inaugural season, like, that team played to an identity almost from game number one. Mm-hmm. And, and they just seem to find the right combination of players, the right combination of what the line should be. And I feel like the Kraken are really close. I really do. It's taken a bit longer, obviously, than it did for the Vegas Golden Knights. But I do think that once you kind of crack that code and you know these players work best with this type and all that, once you settle in on your lineup, I think things will start to kind of shift in the right direction. But we'll see. Just counting down to the drum line. About to do their rehearsal just uh, down we from still, the uh, we still got, like, section 104. Uh, they're all set. They're ready to go. They were rocking. They greeted Jack Eichel when he arrived in town the other day. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. Uh, Jack, uh, I think, will be in the building tonight uh, to see the Golden Knights uh, play. Uh, he loves this building. And his, you know, he's only ever been to Vegas for road trips, mm-hmm. the Buffalo Sabre road trips. Yeah. I thought everybody came to Vegas. Well, I mean... Most people do, but I, I think there's plenty of people in the world that haven't. Hmm. Uh, we are going to see a Seattle Kraken team that I think is the perfect opponent for Vegas tonight. Because why, Darren? Why? The Golden Knights are coming off the road trip. It's a tough game, and there's something different, something uh, special, something motivating for the Golden Knights against the Seattle Kraken. Just as it was on opening night, you don't want to be the team that gives up that first win and give them any type of momentum to possibly compete with your record uh, in a first-year performance. Tonight, same thing. You want to be able to control that head-to-head, and it's a divisional game too, Uh, never mind uh, that important aspect. But just being uh, that rivalry between the two, I think it adds a little bit uh, more, which is is important when you're coming off a uh, a road trip of the the length that the Golden Knights had. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's big brother, little brother, and you always want to make sure that you, that your little brother knows where his place is. And you know, for the Golden Knights, they understand kind of the momentum you can get as an expansion team if you start to string together wins. And for the Vegas Golden Knights, you want to try to continue to rack up as many points as you can with the injuries that you've sustained. So uh, you view, you should view this game as a, as a game to perhaps send a statement, make a statement, and pick up two points. I, I, I think your point's well taken in that, you know, the Seattle Kraken, there's always going to be something between the Golden Knights and the Kraken because of when both teams came into the league and the link between the two, even if Seattle doesn't want that link between the clubs. Yeah, you'll take any type of motivation oh, yeah. that you can. 100%. Uh, same with Paul Cotter being in the lineup tonight. A, a little bit of a, a jolt of energy from a guy playing his first National Hockey League game. 
just like Robin Leonard going back in between the pipes is an, another opportunity to build on what was a pretty impressive road trip by the uh, the Panda. Yeah, he, he was phenomenal for the Golden Knights. It's it's really something else. Um, you know, the record is is probably a bit unkind and unjust for how well Rob and Leonard has played early on this season. And, you know, the Golden Knights are going to need him to continue to be dialed in and dominant the way that he has been. What do you think of the uh, the rating that I'm going to give the Golden Knights tomorrow? What do you mean? Uh, I've already put it down to Carolina Reaper. Really? Yeah. Chapman, are you surprised at that? That's not surprising, though. No. There is zero surprise in that. They could lose 7 nothing, and you're giving them a Carolina Reaper. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Regardless of what happens in this game, yes. I don't care what happens in the game. It doesn't matter. Yes. You, tomorrow, have to come to the rating spot and, and say Carolina Reaper. No matter what happens in the game, okay. you have to go with that. Because I'm an optimist? Because I see the glass half full? I mean, or you see the glass because all full. It's overflowing. Yeah, like, more, more like often than not. I haven't figured out how to pour a beer, and it's it's foaming up all, all over the place. It's like, I, you, it's like you broke the machine, and it just keeps pouring <laughs> down and down and down and down, and you can't do anything to stop it. <laughs> the, uh, the rating scale that we have is, uh, is all about the peppers, yep. and uh, the, uh, the effort, the execution, the uh, performance, and the result – goes into it in how we judge this team's performance uh, between a one to five and and then the pepper scale what's the pepper scale number one is a bell pepper that's a one out of five that is not particularly good then you get to jalapeno habanero ghost and carolina reaper carolina reaper is a five out of five i really do take into account where this team is with with its roster when I'm giving out these, uh, so do I. these Carolina Reaper so do I. awards mm-hmm. uh, over the course of, of the first 12 games and being able to judge and evaluate things. But one area that's been most impressive has been that play of, of the goaltending. It, you could go maybe the Detroit game. That would be honest if, if we're going to everybody look into each other's eyes and give the, the truth uh, uh, face-to-face. We're not actually doing that right now. But if I was going Stop to do that. Stop looking at me like that, Darren. Jeez. Hello, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Lorette Brassois <laughs> wasn't good enough the other night to to win. They got out goaltended in a game against the Detroit Red Wings. That hasn't happened very often. In fact, if anything, it's been even or the Golden Knights have had the better goaltending performance, which includes the game against Dallas, where Bersaw was brilliant, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and also a couple of uh, uh, strong performances by Robin Leonard. That has been one of the signature parts about this team in the early going of this campaign. Yeah, goaltending's been really, really solid. And, and it was, there was a question there, right, at the start yeah. of the year? How, how, would, how would the transition go to Robin Leonard as, as the number one? I, I mean, yeah, anytime you you have sort of the, the change in the offseason that the Golden Knights experienced when it came to goaltending, there were going to be questions. But um, it wasn't so much a concern that I ever really had, to be honest with you. I, I think I've, I've maintained that I thought goaltending was going to be perfectly fine for the Golden Knights, and it's needed to be incredibly strong early on to start the year. And I'll tell you right now, if not for the, the way Robin Leonard has played, if not for Lorraine Brassois, 
stealing that game in Dallas, the Golden Knights record would not be close to 500. I just think it was it was such an important uh, performance for Robin Leonard early on in the season to just distance himself from any narrative. Yeah, from from last season. I'm not going to uh, sit here and tell you that the that what's happening in Chicago last, this year uh, with uh, with Mark Andre Fleury hasn't helped that because of the struggles that, that have occurred. You can't sit here and go, oh, it's over there. That, that's that been uh, a benefit, at least to the talking point. Sure. But Robin Leonard just absolutely silenced every critic from, you may have your loyalties, but on ice-wise, he silenced the critics. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's again, I, to me, probably the most consistent and the MVP of the first 10 to 12 games for the Golden Knights. I, Without his play at the level that it has been, it would not be as optimistic an outlook for the Golden Knights right now. Uh, we've also seen the uh, the putting together of a new line with William Carlson uh, out and Nick Waugh between Jonathan Marchessault and, and Riley Smith. That's been uh, a real plus. The other lines, though, kind of a, a work in progress right now in what Pete DeBoer is trying to come up with and and find the chemistry there's been spurts and i think uh the final two periods in montreal and the three periods even though they lost in detroit has shown some some real progress in some of the players finding their stride yeah i i i wonder i mean i guess kind of the player that i'm looking at most in this situation is is probably evgeny dodonov right mm-hmm. like I, I think you're looking for a guy uh, to do more or less what Jonathan Marchessault has done over the last three or four games, and that is find the back of the net and have a little bit of that edge to your game that, that you're going to go out there and every single time you're on the ice, you're going to make a difference. And, you know, it, it's it, it's we're coming in on 12 games now where Dodonov's been with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think you're looking for more than just the two goals that he has on the board. You, you need him to be a difference maker, and, and I think that the more – I guess the word I'm looking for, the more stable the lineup is, where Dodonov's playing with Chandler Stevenson and, and getting and Matthias Yamark and kind of getting a feel for those players, I think the hope is that with stability, there'll be more consistency. And if you get consistency, you should get more offensive chances. Two goals, two assists Yes, for Dodonov so far this year. Remember, he did go through a stretch where he scored the final goal in three straight games. Yes. And uh, those were three consecutive wins. So the, his impact uh, is is measured in points, but also in being able to close out games. Uh, the empty netter against the Colorado Avalanche, the overtime winner to put away the Dallas Stars off that great forecheck from, from Nick Waugh, and then the shootout winner mm-hmm. uh, to put uh, the game on ice and the Anaheim Ducks uh, away in that game that uh, saw the Ducks come back. So there's... There's timing, and then there's overall points. I understand looking at four points in 12 games and and wanting to see a a little bit more, especially given the absences in the lineup and getting more minutes and being being up in the lineup a little bit more. But I don't think you can overstate or forget those three final goals in those three straight games. No, no, not at all. But but you are looking for consistency, right? You are looking for the impact to be more spread over a 12-game span than in a three-game sample size. You know what I mean? Like, 
the Golden Knights right now need to be able to rely on more than just Nick Waugh, Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith, and then some production from the back end. Like They've got to have more than just one line going and more than one line created. What about Chandler Stevenson? It's it's such a weird thing because with Chandler Stevenson, he's, he's a point-of-game player, and, and there are times where... Um, you know, you celebrate that and you look at it and you see his impact on the game. But again, I still think that there's there's an element of, of trying to fit in with what and who he's lining up with. Right. Like you don't get the feel. You don't get the feel that he's carrying the team as a point per game player. No, yet it, you should. When you look at the stats, it's it's such a it's such an interesting thing. And I, and I, I think the game against um, the Anaheim Ducks for me is kind of like the the quintessential Chandler Stevenson game where he doesn't get a shot on goal until the third period. And then when he does, it's a goal. And then a couple of minutes later, he picks up an assist. And that kind of production from Chandler is limited to a three or four minute stretch within a game. I've been pleasantly surprised with how well he has played and the points that have come. But I I think like, like you said, you kind of need more guys and you're looking for more guys to go out there and kind of dominate a game in the way that we've seen Jonathan Marshall. So do right. Like there have been goal between the two of them, one goal difference, but you have seen moments and the Dallas game is one of them. Jonathan Marshall. was on a mission to find the back of the net and get the golden Knights to overtime. And I think you need more plays like that from other guys outside of just that top line for the golden Knights. Marshall. with six, Stevenson, one less. And then a bunch of guys with two. So of Waugh, Theodore, Smith, Haig, Petrangelo. It's amazing how spread out it is. Mm-hmm. Dodonov, Pacioretty, Carrier, all with two goals. And I think Nick Waz is really feeling it right now. He's He is feeling comfortable with Marcia, So and Smith. You look at a couple of multi-point performances, the fact that he's got five points in his last three games, you're starting to see that that level from Nick Waugh that we've talked about where there's more offensive upside than we give him credit for. You're seeing it right now. Matthias Janmark uh, will play his eighth game uh, of the year. He is truly the prototypical streak player. Yes. Where you won't see him on the score sheet for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he'll do something like he did last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes. Where he scored the hat trick and, mm-hmm. and salted away a series. Yeah. Clinched a series on, on home ice. Yeah. But I think that's a player that I know he's been out in COVID and, and, and there's been uh, challenges to his, his health and, and being at optimal condition uh, this season. But there's a player that, uh, as a veteran National Hockey Leaguer, and one of those guys that has been here before uh, last year acquired where I think it's, it's time to, to start getting something there. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there too. Uh, Yanmark is, is one of those guys you're looking for uh, to just kind of create more. Uh, and then, you know, you look at, you also look at Keegan Colasar, right? Mm-hmm. Like the amount of chances that Keegan gets on a nightly basis, uh, you, you need him to find one. I don't care how it happens. I just need Colasar to find the back of the net because at that point, the confidence can grow. But, but he finds himself in such amazing situations. And you're hoping that it, it's kind of something that happened with Will Carrier, right? 
you get the first one to go, then all of a sudden you get another one, you get your second goal. It's, it, takes you, it takes you less time to get the second one than it took you to get the first one in the first place. That's what I'm hoping for for, say, Keegan Colasar and, and hopefully Matias Yanmark. What do you hopefully think he goes Carrier on. right now? Like he's, he's, he's gone through a, a bump up in the lineup. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy for he's, where, is, he, where he's at right now. It's interesting because with Will Carrier, it's, it's always been about driving play, yeah. right? Like it's always been about get the puck to the dangerous area and hopefully good things happen. Right now playing with, you know, with Chandler Stevenson and Evgeny Dodonov, like – you're hopeful that if he continues to do that, there will be goals that are somewhere around the crease. I've liked the fact that that he hasn't really changed that aspect of his game. He gets the puck, you know where it's going. I'm impressed right by to the his front game. of the net. Yeah, it's and and that's good on him for recognizing this opportunity and doing that because we've always talked about Will Carrier in, in, in kind of the same way, not as as high of an upside as say Nick Waugh, but we've always talked about if he can finish. This guy can really, really help you in, in a depth roll bottom six. And now it's just about kind of getting that aspect of it and allowing himself to settle in playing up the lineup. Coming off a four-game road trip in which we all agreed two and two would be really good. Mm-hmm. We got Grady at the end and wanted three and one. That's fine. But two and two, a success. Given the lineup is relatively the same, Connor's coming in tonight, but none of the big injuries are back. What do you expect from a six-game homestand, and what will be a success? Is 500 still the mark, even though you're at home instead of the road? I don't move off of 500, but what I think would be an incredibly solid uh, homestand for the Golden Knights is eight points. You get You get eight points... In any combination, whether you go four and two, whether you go three, one and two, I, I don't care what it is. But if the Golden Knights are able to get somewhere in the ballpark of eight, maybe nine points on this homestand, I think they're in good shape. It's not the easiest homestand. It isn't. It, it and you know, again, I wouldn't be upset with five hundred. But I mean, if there's if there are ways or games that you can chip away here and get a couple of extra points over that mark. I think that helps you once you get healthy in terms of ground you have to cover. So, um, you know, Seattle tonight, it's a winnable hockey game. It's a game in which I'm expecting the Golden Knights to, to hunt down two points. Minnesota, that's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's a good hockey club, the Minnesota Wild. Vancouver, that's going to be tougher than it's been against the Vancouver Canucks. And then you've got Carolina, Detroit, and Columbus. There are no real easy games here for the Golden Knights, but I still think there is an avenue to to get eight points out of this out of this homestand, and that's what I think the Golden Knights should be shooting for. I like it if you came out and said, "There's one easy game here. We'll the Golden Knights will drill this team." Well, I mean, they played incredibly well against Detroit, right? Yeah. Like they were they were the better team five on five. I don't think there's any question. But they're just going to have to get the goaltending in that game. Like Seattle, Detroit, to me, are, are probably the two quote unquote easiest games. And the Golden Knights just lost 5-2 to Detroit in a game where they played pretty well. So uh, you can't take anything for granted, but I, I see the Golden Knights able to pick up six to eight points here. Chapman, if you can uh, just go down your list of uh, sound from today's media availability, the Pete DeBoer clip on being even after 12 games and the expectations starting this six-game homestand. Uh, here's Pete DeBoer talking about 
where they are and the expectations going forward. We're not happy being around 500. We're, we're kind of 11, 10, 11, 12 games into this season, so we know what we have to do, what it looks like in order to win. And uh, ironically, you know, probably our best game of the road trip was our last one, and we lost. But uh, we want to build on that. And, um, you know, we, we want to separate ourselves from the group here a little bit. We just want to be happy winning one, losing one separate themselves from the group, uh, that being the standings, and try to get into one of those uh, top three positions in the Pacific uh, Division. And they face a Pacific Division opponent tonight in the Seattle Kraken. Uh, more on this game. Pre-game shows coming up at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Ryan Wallace, Dan Duva, Gary Lawless with the call. Has, uh, do you think Gary's found out uh, yet that we've, uh, we've hired security to keep him away from us in the Hyde Lounge? Has he texted you yet? I haven't looked at my phone. I try not to look at my phone during the show. Oh. Distracts me. I try to try to focus. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm curious whether he's found that out because he won't be happy. Uh, one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League coming up next as we continue from Section 104 T-Mobile Arena ahead of the Kraken against the Golden Knights on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Blunt in your wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Heading to the strip ahead of the Seattle Kraken, Vegas Golden Knights, round two. You wanted some tickets to see the Detroit Red Wings next week? We have a pair to give away at some point. During this segment, one-timers, uh, along with Ryan Wallace, I'm Darren Millard. Carey Price uh, put out a statement today. He rejoined the Montreal Canadiens this week, and Carey Price said that he entered the NHL-NHLPA Player Assistance Program for substance abuse, uh, putting out the statement saying, over the last few years, I have let myself get to a very dark place, and I didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. Last month, I made the decision to enter a residential treatment facility for substance abuse. I mean, you know, when, when I read that, the only thing I can think of is, thankfully, he, he's able to, to, to get that help, that he's able to make the decision to put his, his health first, his mental health first. And, you know, the only thing that I'm, I'm focused in on right now for Carey Price is that, you know, he, he returns and, and, and he's healthy and he's, he's able to, to make strides every single day. And how supportive his uh, wife was, the family was, yeah. the community uh, was. Uh, they might know, uh, family certainly would, uh, more than, than anybody else, but uh, standing by him. And that was uh, at the start of the season. This wasn't mid-year where you're going through some uh, slump or any kind of uh, uh, individual challenges. This was the start of the year. Uh, Recovering from a, a knee injury and ready to go off a trip to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, which shows how much it can affect anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, it, you're the just the fact that Kerry is is open in sharing this. I think is important, right? Because um, you know, there might be there might be someone that that is kind of going through something similar, and they they don't know where to go or how to turn and, and what the case may be so um, just vocalizing it just putting it out there I think is important for people that might be struggling too. Goaltending news out of Boston where Tuka Rask has been skating at the Bruins facility no indication uh, when the unrestricted free agent goaltender will be ready to play or where he will play Ooh. after having off-season hip surgery. It's interesting that Rask was at the practice facility 
that's one indication that there might be a fit with the Boston Bruins, considering he played there uh, for his whole career, drafted Maybe. by the Toronto Maple Leafs. But he was also working out with Bruins goaltending coach Bob Asenza. Weird. Weird as the... Uh, I think that if Tuca comes back, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he's probably going to be a Boston Bruin. Mm-hmm. But that that's not just a, a foregone conclusion that because he's played his career in mm-hmm. Boston that he would work out with Bob Asenza. Like, that that takes some some doing for that to happen. You know, I, I will say this. If I'm, like, if I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I, I make a run at Tuka Rask. I really do because I know you. I know you're a big Mike Smith guy. Like yeah. I get it, but my my concern with Mike Smith is that at some point he's going to let you down, and usually that happens in the playoffs. And uh, there's also the injury factor there. And you know I know Tuca's coming off the of surgery, but if he's good to go and he's healthy, on the Edmonton Oilers, I don't rule it out. Tuca was 15, five and two last year. Yeah, really good. He did say uh, in August that he could be ready as soon as late December mm-hmm. and that he would be a, quote, cheap goalie for the Boston Bruins. Well, I want him to be a cheap goalie for the Edmonton Oilers. That's not a bad take when it comes to Tuka Rask. Uh, John Tavares, game-time decision for the Maple Leafs against the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow. Leafs uh, Leaf, uh, center sustained an undisclosed injury in getting walloped by the L.A. Kings last night. Kings are on a tear right now. That, that came out of nowhere. The Kings? Yeah. Kind of. Like, I had them as my breakout team, and they beat <laughs> Vegas and had a great game, and then yeah. Dowdy got hurt, yeah. and they went into a slide. Sure. And now they've won five in a row. I know. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, I think L.A. is better. For sure, this year than they were in the past, and uh, I mean it's it's been led by Andre Kopitar. Like he has just been in in another stratosphere. Phil Deneau has been good too. He has been. You're you're absolutely right. The numbers aren't aren't as as crazy as as what Kopitar's are, but the fact that you've got those two guys one two down the middle is is a huge improvement for the Kings. I talked to Darren Dreger on the trip this week about uh, some topics, including the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Like what might happen there? They're off to a slow start. Uh, maybe a trade. There's a lot of rumblings that Samuel Girard is available. 23-year-old. Now, he was thought to be part of a package going to Buffalo mm-hmm. if they were able to acquire Jack Eichel. Yeah. That didn't happen. So would you move Samuel Girard somewhere else? I, I mean, like, what are they trying to get? I don't know, but Bo Byram's taking over the spot. I mean, Bo Byram's a good player. Like, it, yeah, I mean, listen, if, if I'm the Colorado Avalanche and I've got a, a wealth of young talent on the back end and there's a guy that, that's kind of out of the mix, not in the fold, I'm moving him for something. I, I just, I don't know what we the... trade pr- him for Phil Kessel? Oh, man. That'd be two defensemen that the Coyotes were able to lift from uh, from Colorado. So it's Connor Timmins mm-hmm. um, for Darcy Kemper. Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, I probably would. Let's go. Let's do it. Anarchy. Arms war between Colorado and Vegas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, 
you would get an invigorated and, and uh, bought in Phil Kessel with the Colorado Avalanche. Like, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's go. Yeah, I don't know whether you got invigorated or bought in, Phil. Come on. But Come on. he's effective. I, I, I don't think Phil's invigorated by anything except fishing. <laughs> and no, Phil, no, 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 no. And Phil no. would agree with me on that. Fishing and the Ironman streak. Right. And, like, you know, maybe another Stanley Cup. Nobody loves fishing. It goes fishing, Ironman streak, cup. Really? I think. The guy loves his fishing. Can can you can you work um, something to get Phil on the show? Like I just I want to talk to the guy. He, just, he fascinates. He's me. awesome. Yeah, I love Phil. In in and, and in, I mean I'm I'm not joking around. I love Phil. No no no. When I say he fascinates, like I don't mean that in in a derogatory way at all. Like I just find him, his entire career arc, everything about Phil Kessel, fascinating. Last week, the Golden Knights played in Ottawa. And that was the the day that the Jack Eichel trade went down. Yes. What was, what was kind of strange about that night, or unique about that night, it was a game day. He comes down in the morning. Mm-hmm. Massive deal. Yeah. And nobody involved in the trade played in that game. This doesn't happen very often where you have a trade that comes down first day in the morning. Yeah. And the the teams are right beside each other. Buffalo, Vegas here in Ottawa. Yep. How about this one? Mark Stone traded from Ottawa to Vegas. When they met last week, last Thursday, Senators and the Golden Knights, nobody from that trade played in that game. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Now, that's Mark Stone's injured. Sure. And Eric Branstrom is playing in the AHL. Is playing in the American Hockey League. Yeah. There's some talk today. He just changed agents, Eric Branstrom. That, uh, well, one, he was sent down because he was he's waiver uh, exempt. Yeah. Number two, that he might be on the verge of saying, okay, enough's enough. They've, they've gone with a couple of veteran defensemen ahead of him in this one. And he might be ready to ask for a trade and, and move on out of there. But when you evaluate, and we've, we've talked about this with the Eichel trade, Peyton Krebs, nobody wishes Peyton anything but the ultimate success. And uh, Alex Tuck, uh, moving forward, uh, he's, he's already fitting in, in Buffalo. But you, you truly don't know how the prospects and the draft picks and the players included in the trade are going to, to pan out. There's two players in the, in the Stone trade that are not in the National Hockey League anymore. Right. Like not even, don't have National Hockey League contract. We've got KHL in Europe. But it, it's just a great reminder that Stone trade is a is a cool little just uh, stick in your shoulder and remember this going forward with the Jack Eichel transaction. Trading is not an exact science and neither are prospects and picks. <laughs> and, and that's kind of where I... I stand on it. Like with with Alex Tuck, I think there's proof of concept as to what type of player he's yeah. going to be. With Jack Eichel, there's proof of concept of, of what player what the what he's going to be. Um, assuming he gets back to full health and, and everything goes well with the surgery, so uh, those two known assets, I think, are are you know you you feel comfortable in what you do with that. But you know now it's all about for the Buffalo Sabers developing Peyton Krebs the right way 
and hitting on that first over on that first round pick that you get from the Golden Knights. Because you hear a lot from uh, people about the Nick Suzuki uh, inclusion in the Max Pacioretty trade. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's a good thing for both sides. Sure. This is not the same situation. The Vegas gave up a lot in Nick Suzuki. But when you look at what the, it cost them from a Mark Stone standpoint, slam, dunk, win, Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks will not name a permanent head coach before the end of the season. It will be Derek King for the, uh, the rest of the campaign. Are you surprised at that at all? No, not really. I... I I mean, it'll be interesting to see how things go now with with Chicago, but um, give them a look. Let's see what happens and uh, go from there. I was surprised that Kyle Davidson came out, uh, the the interim general manager, and said that uh, that they won't be looking for a new head coach until the end of the season. It just backs you into a position where you don't need to be uh, asked that. If they they don't turn it around Mm -hmm. and they don't find their stride, then you're kind of stuck there. Yeah, but it, I mean, like, there's so much in flux right now with that organization. Dominic Ducharme was the interim head coach to a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, so maybe they're hoping for that to happen. I, I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing there. Uh, also, Kyle Davidson's the interim general manager. That's so does the interim general manager, you wouldn't think that the interim general manager would hire a permanent head coach. So that, not that, if, kinda, that not kind of does... Yeah, I mean, not if not if the plan is to look elsewhere for a, a full-time GM. So, I, I mean, I, I understand it from that perspective. Uh, Philip Forsberg, no progress on talks there with the uh, Nashville Predators. They're going to hold off until the uh, the end of the, the season. David Poyle, by the way, used to be the big game hunter. He used to pull off all these big trades. Yeah, He's, he's had to surrender that title to Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah, the uh, the Predators will probably talk themselves into being buyers at the deadline too, instead of moving Forsberg and getting appreciable assets back. <laughs> uh, Want to go over to Hyde? Oh, you got to do the pregame show at the top of the clock. I do, but we've got to give away tickets. You want to give away tickets to next Thursday's game against the Detroit Red Wings? Two tickets to see the Vegas Golden Knights against the Detroit Red Wings right here at T-Mobile Arena. What caller should we go with? Let's go number 19, Steve Eiserman. He's doing a pretty good job in Detroit. He does. I was going to go with 11 because they won 11 Stanley Cups, but 19 makes it more work for Chris Chapman. Uh, give us a call. About. The number is? 702-876-1340. 702-876-1340. Call now. Lines are open. Lucky number caller 19 wins two tickets to see the Red Wings against the Vegas Golden Knights next Thursday. Catching up with Chapman, providing he's off the phone in time uh, with all the information. Coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. What do you got for us today, Chapman? Well, I'm always a big fan of going down this rabbit hole. And because you mentioned the trade last week or last segment with the Ottawa Senators that sent Mark Stone to Vegas, I had to go because I wanted to see, I knew there was a draft pick involved. And I went to go look and see who was in, who was the player that Ottawa drafted with that pick. It was someone named Igor Sokolov, who I cannot find where he's playing today. He 
His Wikipedia says he's a member of the Belleville Senators. Yeah, he is. He, I, I, I didn't see him. Maybe he's heard he's not on the active roster. But that pick was acquired by the Golden Knights when they drafted Mark Mathot, sent that pick to Dallas, and they got Dylan Ferguson and that second-round pick in exchange for, for Mark Mathot. So kind of a cool I, – I always enjoy going down that trade rabbit hole just to see the players that are drafted and how picks were acquired. And that was one of those ones where – Dylan Ferguson is actually connected in in some way, shape, or form to that trade that Mark I Stone you were supposed to be answering phones for the ticket giveaway. Hey, listen, I'm sure Dylan Ferguson appreciates being mentioned on this show. Who won the tickets? Colby. Nice. Yes. That's catching up with Chapman. The pregame show ahead of the Golden Knights and the Seattle Krakens up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Mm-hmm.